0: rob look the the big time musician shows up on time what do you, what's your excuse over here
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey
1: it's usually it's usually the typical thing yeah, you know i'm always late or or don't show up or whatever so
2: <laughs> ha ha
0: dance gavin dance baby you are
3: now listening to you are now listening to you are now listening to swan casting the official unofficial podcast for swan posting where you can get down with brown town
1: get stuck because you're the clown now and check your ballot to vote this dick right into
3: where we can verse the good the bad the ugly of all things dgd
0: so don't be tardy for my leaky barbie tea party pee in the park Because you won't want to miss this.
3: So put it in my fist, and squish, and twist with the wrist, and come with us as we give you nothing but... Hot
0: takes, musical tastes, and unfiltered
3: DGG opinionated race.
1: Where feelings
3: get hurt, but it's all good, because it's all for the love of Dance Gavin Day. So turn up your headphones as we dive into...
1: Swan
0: Casting. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 6 of Swan Casting. I'm here with Matt Barrett. Hey. Robert Becker. <laughs> okay. Oh no. <laughs> and the the one and only Kurt Travis. Mister. Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> Missed your cue. All right, we're gonna we're gonna start out with some dance Gavin dance questions. I was gonna have my rabbit, which I actually named Kurt rabbits. It's kind of kind of awkward, you know. It's it's, it's <laughs> the first episode too, but. There's only room for one curd on this, this pod. Rabbits are, rabbits are cool. I, 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 think,
1: I think turtles are cooler.
0: I was, actually, I was deciding between that and uh, a turtle. My, my little 12-year-old neighbor brought us over one after our hedgehog died and was like, here's a new pet.
2: Oh, shit. <laughs>
0: but it was from the lake. I just felt like I didn't know how to take care of it. All right, so everyone knows uh, Kurt Travis from Dance Gavin Dance and his other projects like A Lot Like Birds, Pushover, Royal Coda, and his solo stuff. So, you know, so far we've, we've avoided that uh, lead singer discussion, you know. It's like you don't talk politics, religion, or uh, Dance Gavin Dance lead singers among friends. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, uh, You're probably better off. You're probably better off not.
2: Uh, that's,
0: that's we have more
4: friends that way. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly, exactly.
2: You know,
0: yeah, but, I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna like, you know, I'll tip my hands a little bit. Obviously, I don't have a rabbit named like Bunny Craig, or <laughs> Clinton, but uh, you know,
1: we'll we'll just keep it a secret. Right. I have a I have a little Chihuahua named uh, Timmy, oh. and. And it's because I didn't name him after Tim ferrick, but it's kind of funny because I feel like Tim, Tim thinks that I did. Uh, I named him Tim because he's so tiny, Tiny Tim. But,
2: uh, oh, that's
1: perfect. Tim <laughs> is phonetic. You want to, you know, when you're training a dog, you want it to you want to hear like a T or a CH, you know, so that when they hear that, they know, oh, shit, that's me. You know, that's my name. So. Uh, I think, isn't John Mess's cat named Timmy, too? Is it really? <laughs>
0: yeah, you guys. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> confirmed.
2: <laughs> oh, my
4: God. Something, there's something well. going on here, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> we're, on, we're on to you now,
2: dude. <laughs> hey, you know what,
1: too? I think that, I think John has had that cat forever, too. Like, I'm yeah. pretty sure I would be the biter on that one. I think I think Timmy the Cat came before Timmy the Chihuahua, so. <laughs> and all
0: of them are named after the bassist, so.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Must be a great
2: guy. he's our pet, you know? He's, yeah. you know? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, cute little bassist. You were on, on the record saying that. <laughs>
1: Tim, can you play that bass line for me one more time? Oh. <laughs>
2: There he Such is. a good boy Tim's
1: like one of my old old homies and uh, he's helped me record stuff throughout the years too so we've always we've always been been close uh, how'd
0: you guys know each other I know you had Jason uh, Ellis in your yeah. uh, five minute ride and he was on happiness yeah we're up there for a bit you cheating on him <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, jason um jason is hard to get he's he's uh he's a very like personal dude he he loves playing music but i would say that he's very i mean he's not awkward to me but i would say like touring and and everything that comes along with being in a band he's like not about it (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah, uh, But he loves playing music, so sometimes you can convince him to do things, and it's awesome because Jason's such a good musician. He's, he's honestly a guitar player. He's not really a bass player, but he's really good at the bass, and uh, I've kind of stuck him in, in the bass category for so long, <laughs> but he's really a guitar player. He's an incredible guitar player, and he played guitar in Five Minute Ride. He didn't play bass. Oh, Um, Bass is one of those instruments that's like, well, if you're a good enough musician, you can just kind of play it,
2: so. (laughs) (laughs) Do you
1: you play bass at all? I I do, I I play bass. I I write all of my, my solo, you know, songs. I write all the bass lines, except for, you know, some Zachary Guerin stuff, but I'm pretty sure Zach wrote most of the guitars if he wrote anything. But yeah, I, I would say that like, Overthinking, that was his bass line. There's a bunch of them actually, now that I'm thinking about it. But I just remember his just infectious guitar licks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But,
0: I was but. listening to Everything Is Beautiful, which is, uh, is that your first solo album or second?
1: It's not, it was actually my third. Oh. Um. So I put out What Happened,
0: yeah, um, the Happy Birthday
4: album. Oh, the birthday party. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Which is funny because it wasn't even supposed to be a birthday. It like the concept was like, let's throw a party, but you're the only one there. Like super <laughs> depressing. So. And so okay. that's why there's like hats on the beers because I have no friends. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like a COVID birthday party. There's that's, like
1: little bar. Yeah, there's little party mm-hmm. hats on the beers <laughs> yeah. because nobody nobody wants to hang out with me. But uh, but yeah, what, what <laughs> happened came out. And then I put out a self-titled EP um, that was released on Equal Vision. And it's just got like an ominous mountain on it. Then after that, I put out Everything is Beautiful. And I would say it was my first like legit release, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because the other two were very lo-fi and just uh, self-released. um when I did Everything is Beautiful, I recorded it with Josh Benton. Um, So the other two records I recorded by myself, or with the help of like one other person, buddy named Dominic Becchetti helped me on what happened. And then on the self titled one, Matt, Matt Thomas helped me record all of it. And then when I did Everything is Beautiful, I got Zachary Garen and Joe Arrington to play on it on like the whole record and so and then yeah it came out on Blue Swan Records and so it, it really got a lot of push that the other two didn't get so that's probably why you think it's the first release I mean it's you know it was definitely the most promoted and the most like put together <laughs> I
0: guess so yeah that's cool we uh we had zach on like a month ago or so and he was. yeah i listened to that yeah
1: i listened to a little bit of it yeah
0: he yeah. was uh he was it seemed like you guys had a lot of fun recording everything is beautiful
1: yeah he would he would come down to my apartment because we live we live about three hours away from each other at wow. the time and so he would drive up to my apartment um that I I had, like, I was living with my wife and Matt Thomas, like, my best friend, and he would just come up and, like, sleep on the couch, and we would write for, like, three or four days, and then he would be, like, all right, like, (laughs) I'm gonna go back home, (laughs) you know, and then, and then he would come back out again, and we would write for another, like, three or four days, and sometimes we would get, like, a ton of stuff done, and then sometimes we just wouldn't get anything done, so, yeah. (laughs) You can't force creativity. Exactly. But yeah, that's definitely the most memorable solo record that I have, you know, and the most money that was put into it. And just, you know, like I said, it was the most put together record, I think. So and then the the one that I put out like last year that had the same amount of push and was on the same record. Pretty much, you know, I I funded most of it, but uh, Blue Swan helped a lot. Sergio and and Will helped out a lot with like funding it. I ran out of money towards the end, <laughs> so they, <laughs> they they helped me with like you know the marketing costs and like just proper proper rollout sort of stuff. And uh, so yeah, yeah. That's so we were talking to
0: um, Chris, the lead singer of Closure in Moscow, and oh yeah, yeah. Pretty sure he says hi. <laughs> Fuck
2: yeah, oh.
0: Um,
1: It It would be so nice to see those guys after so long. The last time I saw them, I was in Australia. I'm pretty sure this was the last time I saw them. I was in Australia, and it was Soundwave Festival, 2000 and, like, oh, my God, like, 12 or 11 or something like that. And they were playing this upstairs, like, bar party but I remember having a full drink in the middle of the crowd before they started playing. And as soon as they hit one fucking, it was just just everybody, everybody's drink was all over everyone. There was just, there's nothing you could do. And I remember just laughing my ass off being like, this is incredible. It was such an awesome night. And uh, I remember somehow they, they like were supposed to play Soundwave and then didn't play it. So they played this other show and it was massive. Like the and, and the energy was so crazy. Yeah, I, I freaking love those guys. I miss those dudes. He's an amazing singer. So you guys had Chris, guys had Chris on there, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Maybe last weekend, the weekend before. So, Closure Moscow, like, is self-funding all their albums, and it totally, really yeah. seems like, uh, you know, while they get to, they don't have to, like, no one has their hand in the cookie jar other than them, but at the same time, I feel like they struggle to put out albums because it's so expensive, and they, if you want oh, to write, it seems like yeah. it takes a lot of money, which is, I feel like I don't really... Can you explain how that works? Like, obviously, like you have people producing it and mixing it, but why would an out one album cost more than another?
2: Oh, well,
1: uh, that would that. uh, So many factors, man. Do you have to pay for flights? Do you have to pay for lodging when you're there? Do you have to pay for you know all that stuff goes into the budget or at least should. So all the little things, like you're just hemorrhaging money the entire time because you've got like four or five people that probably don't live in the same area so they they have to travel you know Mm -hmm. so like for for royal coda for instance in order for us to record we would have to fly joe and stefan out which is i mean these are these are just typical things in a band that you have to just deal with you know it's just expenses so that then the the hugest probably amount you you spend on is the uh the tracking of the record, and it depends on who you decided to go with. So my record, what happened? I, I mean, I recorded it myself with an internal microphone on a MacBook. <laughs> like it was so bad. And so it cost me like literally nothing to do that. But for a legit record, like to, to record with Chris Crummett or something like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Chris Crummett's a perfect example. You know, that's gonna be over 10k. That's not going to be a small amount. Oh my god. Um, he's
0: the best. He's the best of the best.
1: Oh, uh, definitely. So a guy like that, you know, yeah, you might be paying 20 grand, or or that's even cheap, like twenty thousand dollars for for an A list producer engineer. That's that's cheap. You know what I mean? If I mean if you're going to like a Casey Bates, like that's the same thing. You know what I mean? Or, or I I don't even know uh, what the kids like now, Eric Ron or something like that. I bet you Eric Ron's prices are comparable. You know what I mean? You got to think of in terms of like, I guess you could go hourly. So you could do it hourly. So it's like probably like 500 bucks a day or something like that. You know what I mean? And you're there for a month. So it gets costly or some, some engineers will do like on a song base, like a song basis. So, you know, $400 per song and you do 10 songs. So that's $4,000, you know what I mean? Or something like that. But yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking a per day rate for a guy like Chris. I, I don't know. I really don't. I don't deal with that kind of shit. (laughs) I just, (laughs) I, I show up and I record and then I joke with Chris and I, I really and then, and then you're in this period after you're done. You're in debt to whoever you know shoved the money out, whatever label, or even if it's self-funded. Sometimes people will self fund a record. You know what I mean? Or sorry, just pay for somebody else's record is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So like, then you're you owe money because you took so much money out to record the record. So then you got to do touring, obviously, and merchandise and all that stuff and then then you're in the black and then after you're in the black then it's like a percentage base you know you get this much and the label gets this much and that sort of thing so but the reason th- to to come back to your you know question the reason it costs so much is because you know they're the best you you go to the best go to if you're going to somebody like you know Mike Watts that does the deer hunter and you know, he does Hail the Sun and he does all of sort you know, all sorts of, uh, as, as tall as Lions and Hope's Fall and all these crazy good bands. Like they have a reputation of, of selling, of making you sound good. Yeah. So, Interesting. but Ross, I, I remember Ross Robinson's rates were like a million, it was like a million dollars to record <laughs> with Ross Robinson. Yeah. Seriously. It was like, you know, something crazy. Like five hundred or six hundred thousand dollars to record oh with, uh, with, with the right producer because they could make you huge. And there is some sort of magic of an engineer capturing the best things out of you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm an artist, and and you know I'll sing a whole bunch of ideas, right? But if you have somebody that's like kind of guiding the situation and capturing the situation like the the right parts of you you know what I mean then yeah I guess that's 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 worth a lot but there's tracking and then there's mixing and there's mastering so there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of things you can do and there's a lot of money you can spend doing it so
4: well Kurt I wanted to I wanted to ask you since you're talking about recording and Doing all of that. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you've worked with you know different producers over the years of your career. Um, you mentioned Chris Kermit, who's who do, who's done the DGD stuff, and I think it's uh, Voodoo Studios where you or Mike Watts is over Watts. there in yeah. New York.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Um, can you tell us about maybe some of your experiences working with a specific producer uh, at a certain time? Maybe Chris Kermit in your DGD days, and then talking about how it was different working with Mike Watts uh, for Royal Coda or doing uh, some of your solo stuff.
1: You speak about that a little bit. Yeah. So there's a lot of different methods to recording. I would say it's it's like you know there's there's no wrong way to to eat a Reese's. You know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> Really? I mean it's you know there's so many. I mean you take guys like there's so many characters as far as producers and engineers go, and they all do things differently. And and I don't know which one is better. I, I honestly don't. I could give you. Pros and cons to both of them. Mike Watts is a very purist guy. He wants to capture the sound the most pure way. He doesn't want to do it digitally. Okay. He wants to, he's the analog side. Like, real to real? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think Royal Coda was ever on a reel to reel, but he does use like SSL analog consoles that he runs things through so kind of like a reamping whereas Crummet doesn't fuck with that shit Crummet would just do the same thing from a from a digi- like a plug-in sort of world you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so okay. he's Crummet's more of a click in and you know i'm 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 also going to say that chris Crummet knows a lot of shit it's not like i'm i'm not trying to pigeonhole these two people but yeah even even while tracking like Mike Watts is 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 so good at what he does as far as hearing harmonies and hearing man you could give him one little riff and he'll build you a whole song if you really need if you really need him to do that yeah if if you're if you're coming up with ideas then great he'll he'll let you do that but if you give him one like good line he'll He'll really make a whole song out of it, and chris Chris won't do that Chris will be like yo you can you you just need to go and figure out what you're gonna do and and then come back <laughs> when, when you're prepared when you're yeah you know when you're ready to when you're ready to do it and of course he'll give you notes but uh but yeah, I would say that's another comparison to the two okay. There was a time when I, I was afraid to really go to anybody else other than Chris Crummett because I felt like my vocals sounded so strong and the, the, the way that he produces vocals and the way that he captures your voice. Like I said, there's an art to that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an art to being there and, and getting the right take because you do a bunch of takes. Or at least I do. I don't fucking nail it the first time. Yeah. So I'll
2: take
1: I'll take little chunks and I'll I'll sing little parts and so I'll sing a bunch of stuff so that in in post production you can kind of go, Oh, that was cool. Or you know what I'm saying? You can go through them all.
0: Like in the ideas against the wall kind of way,
1: or there's there's a bunch of different options. Yeah. So then you know, at, in the editing process, you get this, you know, you get this cool end product. Um, that's mostly how pretty much every uh, sound engineer that I've worked with does it. Well, Claire, when you're,
4: sorry, while okay. you're in the studio on, oh, am I coming in clear? Sorry, lagged sorry. Yeah, yeah you're, you're good. You're good. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah, so what I want to ask you while you're talking about this specific topic, like how often are you going to the studio with full albums fleshed out? Are you writing a lot while you're in the studio where you have to kind of like take it, take a take and like take some time and like jam out and write some stuff? Where do you stand on like while you're in the studio, how far along you are in terms of writing or recording that the the new material that you're trying to create?
1: Yeah, so I would love to say that I've got it all together, but probably nine times out of ten, I'm i've procrastinated and i have no idea what i'm doing
3: um
1: (laughs) yeah i I hate to say it it's honest it's honest yeah most of the time i'm literally like fuck i should have done this like months ago but i sat on my ass and i played some video game instead yeah yeah
4: but you feel that fire though like you feel the inspiration mm-hmm.
1: because it's like a it's like a constraint
4: of time like you're like oh shit i gotta get this done in like a month we got i gotta do it
1: i i think maybe i think maybe there's there's something like that uh but i really just think it's sheer laziness honestly <laughs> i hate to say it i'm trying to get better at it i'm try i'm trying yeah. to get better at it i'm a very like procrastinating student as well so like you know, I'll wait till the last minute to do that, that essay or that project. And it's yeah. same, same, bro. I feel Yeah. You. So, <laughs> uh, but I'm trying, I'm trying to be much better. So most of the time I have, uh, I have not been prepared. I've been like maybe gone in and known like half of the record, you know? Okay. So I'll have like four or five of, of, of 10 done. Mm-hmm. And so this is what Chris Kremit will do. he'll He'll have you, you know, tracking your parts by day and then writing the rest of the record by night, basically. Okay. So it gets to the point where you run out of songs that you came with, <laughs> you know, and now mm-hmm. you're just doing the songs that you wrote when you got there. But here's another kind of blessing is I would always go to the studio with the band. So a lot of singers they'll wait until it's their turn basically and I ha- I guess I've right. done that as well but for a lot like Birds for Dance Gavin Dance uh that's what I did. I was there the entire time. That was my job. There was nothing else that I was doing. You know what I mean like yeah. It, it we were we were there. Uh so we were in Portland on, on all four of those records. We were with Chris Crumman. So so I was basically just living at the studio and thinking about the record 24 seven, you know? Are there so, any songs okay. in
0: particular that you just kind of like winged it? Like kind of went in a little a little uh, underprepared, but just like had a feel and was like, oh, I could throw this down. Well. <laughs> specific parts
4: of songs that you like were like oh uh, man. I, I could do this real quick and then you were so proud of it <laughs>
2: <laughs> um
1: i don't know I, I would say that uh next to ungodliness that song came together in the studio so the band didn't even have anything for it <laughs> okay. uh mike mikey and joe basically wrote wrote this, you know, the, the song when, yeah, basically a couple days of us getting there. So Joe was tracking drums for the whole record and we added basically next to ungodliness and it's the, the, the bathroom of the, of the house, basically that was what yeah. it was supposed to represent. And it, it came together really well. And we, we definitely all improvised and just, shit that came you know right off the top of our heads but songs like no nature and the recluse those songs were more carefully carefully written or you know revised and edited and stuff like that but yeah when we did when we did next song godliness that song was pretty you know on the spot and that was that was the version came out good very cool yeah for for dgd i would say like i mean there was a lot of improv stuff like rock solid was like yeah that was that whole thing that was a one take oh really yeah
0: was was a lot edited out of the uh the dialogue
1: part or was nothing nothing was (laughs) that was exactly what you hear is is what (laughs) is what (laughs) me and john yeah yeah
0: just like trying to follow along with that conversation we're always like Mm. There's, there's was, definitely time missing in this conversation. <laughs> what happened?
2: Was that
4: based on like a real a real event, or did you guys just kind of like winged it in the studio <laughs> with that s-
1: story? So a lot of dance Gavin dance for me was satirical. So we were always making fun of somebody, <laughs> and so that that was basically like making fun of our own. Sacramento culture, so yeah and and also I think it was a like we didn't know it at the time, but it was definitely an homage to weezer's sweater song um and we just didn't know where the the influence was coming from and i I think I kind of put that to two and two together one day I was like, yo this is just another you know sweater song you know in the verses is do 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 and she goes i Think I'm gonna go to that party, but my friends don't really want to go. Can I get a ride? <laughs> um, so that was that was our that that was our like blueprint, basically. Like, oh, let's just have this like super random making fun of midtown hipsters, you know? Because DGD was not cool. That we our band was not cool. We weren't we weren't accepted, especially around our friends they were like, oh, you're in that shitty Screamo band. We were like, yeah, we're going back out on tour though, so fuck you, you know what
2: I mean? <laughs> to see you uh, out there. <laughs> so so yeah, you, the-
1: you can stay in Sacramento and play your shitty fucking hipster music. <laughs> we, we'll we'll go out on tour with bands that play breakdowns and we don't necessarily like it, but at least we're making money and, and doing what we love, so. So how do you, um,
0: I imagine... So we we know a little bit about your, uh, you know, your origin story, how you, you know, they approached you, you tried out. So when you, when you decided to join Dance Gavin Dance, did you have any uh, other ideas, like other genres you might have considered or other bands you might have wanted to get into? Like, like you said, you guys got a little shit for being a a screamo band, but uh, like, was that just what you were into at the time or, or still? So, uh,
1: I... I was I had always known Will uh Will Swan and and Matt Mingus. They they played in a band called Farewell Unknown and with this other these, these other guys that that we know Eric, Eric Lodge was was in that band I think. Yeah. Okay. And uh and it like kind of Farewell Unknown like got Johnny and like kicked out their other singer basically and then they became Dance Gavin Dance. So, but they Mm. They, I mean, they were good. They, they were definitely good. I was, I was in a band called Five Minute Ride, mm-hmm. and a couple other bands, Oh the Joy, and then I was also in this band called No Not Constant. I don't know. Just around that time, I guess I was getting offers from other bands. Nothing really crazy. But when they kicked out Johnny, I got, I got a phone call, and they were like, "Yo, Dance Gavin Dance just kicked out their singer," and. Like I said, we had played shows together. We were yeah. in the same scene and everything. Like Five Minute Ride played with, you know, Fall of Troy and fucking um this band called Mada, who uh ended up being another band called Worker Bee, which is um some pretty sick shit. And then, you know, we'd play with heavy, heavy, low, low, and I think heavy, heavy, low, low actually Came to my work and asked me if I wanted to sing for Heavy Heavy Lolo. And where would you work? I told him. I told him no. I worked at uh, this place called Rick's Dessert Diner, and so we were we were slinging like slices of cake. It was like a fifties diner. Yeah, I think their guitar player came in and asked me if I wanted to sing for them. I fucking loved them. Uh, you know, it I it was it was no like no offense. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But I think they, I think they just wanted me to like just scream like really brutally because that's how heavy heavy Lolo is. <laughs> they didn't have any like singing parts, and I was, you know, I was more about like the the singy screamy kind of at the drive-in glass yeah. jaw sound, Can the you... singing and the screaming.
0: Can you uh like do the screams or like the fry? Because I know when you're, it like maybe you did a little bit on caviar and, but in general, like you could get like a a pretty harsh tone out of your voice while singing clean, which is, it makes it really hard to sing along with. But it's super sweet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I try I try to do it a little bit uh, in like Royal Coda now. Ro- Ro- Royal Coda definitely has like that. Just like bursting energy, energy just adrenaline, just la, you know cool. what I mean? Like that's, that's definitely where you'll hear me do that. Um, and then, you know, Thomas and I have a project called Pushover and I, I do some pretty blood curdling screams or at least try to, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah yeah uh i don't think we've even released any of those tracks
0: yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask i heard rumors that you guys were in the the studio trying to record maybe like a full length or another ep it's it's
1: been quite a while since we've recorded i went out to michigan by myself to try and finish the record and i got I'd say I got about halfway through it. So, and we put out two singles off of that record that I think are the most strong. And we've just sat on it for so long, I'm just kind of meh about it. But I would love to get that shit done so that it's done. But um, right now, I'm really just like focusing on maybe getting another solo record done. Or, you know, focusing on Royal Coda. Royal Coda's like. What we're kind of all throwing our eggs in <laughs> the basket on that one. So,
4: Kurt, do you find it difficult, obviously, being in so many different projects, like staying inspired, or do you find it freeing and like empowering to be in so many different projects, doing different things vocally and musically with different people?
1: I love creating different types of sounds and, and you know, and, and different styles and, uh, being dancey and funky and jazzy and you know all sorts of yeah. stuff, but uh, just the unfortunate thing is, you know, dealing with the <laughs> the people that you have to deal with in in bands and stuff like that. So yeah, I love I love playing these like super niche like sounds and stuff like that, but um, it's so hard to keep people happy yeah so it's like it's like really hard to to keep people uh from just tearing each other apart would you say in the bands that you're in in the different bands so right now i'd say like my active bands there's there's absolutely no there's no like beef or anything like that you know what i mean um royal coda and my solo stuff like that's you know you can't really get any you know i don't know I guess you can work with people and, and it doesn't work out or whatever, but in my solo music I've kind of molded the team that I, I wanna be with. You know what I'm saying? And and yeah. yeah. So,
4: but, that's but yeah. that's interesting actually that, that you say that because like, you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna bring up like any dirty pasts or anything, but obviously like you said you've known Will for a long time and you're in dance Gavin dance with him and then now yeah. you're back in Rokoda with him. Like, yeah. What is that like? What is that like for you? Um, obviously, knowing him as for as long as you have, and having you know things go on, and but working with him again now, and like you said, you're talking very highly of Roy Cota and your bandmates. So, like, what's it like working with him and them now versus like back in the day, or is it? How's it different with the time that has passed?
1: There is, yeah, exactly. There is so much history there, and so you know, obviously, when you know somebody that long and you know somebody that well you know there's going to be some some good and 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 bad things um of course yeah really i think at this point uh everybody's just you know we we treat it like uh like a job because it is it's our it's our job you know yeah i don't you know it's it's it started out as not being our job it started out as having having fun and, and playing music and we still have fun we still play music But it's it's become my occupation. It's I have to pay taxes on the things that I do. You know what I mean? I I have to I have to legitimize my life in some way, and so it's really hazy, but it's there. You know what I mean? Like I can be like, well, I'm a self-employed musician that runs a record label and just is in the music industry and manages bands and puts out his own music and stuff and tours on that so you know the government wants to know what you're doing
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it,
1: you, you, know, you can't just i don't know it's a thing so when you're talking about me and will i've got absolutely no qualms with will uh have i have we had disagreements of course have we had yeah. agreements of course yeah um but now i think we're older and we treat it more like, uh, let's get this shit done. We're, we're here to do a job and let's, uh, let's put on the pot of po- or sorry, pot of coffee. You know what I'm saying? Versus like, yes. let's, you know, do a bunch of drugs or something like that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Will is completely sober completely. Oh, he, does, he doesn't smoke weed. He doesn't drink. he, he doesn't even eat meat he he's he's like a vegan straight edge now okay oh my god how's it gonna rape I me mean,
0: <laughs>
1: i'm sorry to like out him right now
2: <laughs> maybe
1: maybe he's like fuck Kirk. like
2: what the hell
1: bro <laughs> i smoke 10 blunts a day well dude but that's the thing though is like like we would get you know pounds of of, of weed <laughs> <laughs> of like they, not it's not a lot of
4: sense to like me pounds.
1: and yeah and we, we would all It's man when I joined Dance, Gavin, Dance it was like that was I was like wow like this is a lot of drugs <laughs> like, this, is of, this is a shit ton of drugs um, you know we would we'd play shows on acid and shit it was oh my god yeah,
0: when I saw you guys on, um, I think it was, it was like the All-Star tour or something. It was, you guys were touring Happiness.
2: It yeah. Was,
0: Zach had left. John came back at that point. And okay. um, that was the first time I got to see you guys. I was actually studying for a physics final in uh-huh. my car while my friend was at the show being like, I was like, text you <laughs> dance, Gavin dances on. So I did that. And I, I, I awkwardly ran into Will in the parking lot, which is weird because I just like, popped out of the trunk of my car and was like, hi.
2: I was like, like,
0: he's going to think think I'm going to murder him.
2: But
0: uh, I forget where I was going with this. Oh, you guys killed that show. But I do remember just like Will standing there playing. And I was just like, man, I don't think I've ever seen anyone so high. And like, just still so dexterous and on time. And you guys, (laughs) I heard that you guys were having like some sound problems during that tour, but honestly... That was one of my favorite dance Gavin Dance shows. You guys everyone sounded good. Fuck and yeah. You know, Matt and I are huge happiness fans. Like that.
2: Hell
1: yeah.
3: Yeah, it's my it's my favorite DGD album.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: fuck yeah. They got me. They, got, they which, got a
1: lot of them now. They got a lot of albums
3: yeah. now. So oh, they put which, out uh, one
0: every other day. So it's <laughs>
3: which. Uh, speaking of uh, of happiness, you mentioned earlier that you like you know funky things. Are you responsible for how funky that album
2: is?
1: Oh, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean,
2: I enjoyed
1: it. I, I definitely like. I think I was the man for the job, so to speak. But. Uh, but no i mean i didn't i didn't write any any of that any of that like any mm-hmm. of the instruments you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh yeah that was all jason and will. mostly will that was just will yeah. that's where will wanted to go and were we you? were all i was stoked you know what i mean like i embraced it obviously but but yeah it, i'm not i don't think i'm responsible for it <laughs> I, I, I i take that as a compliment but, uh, but yeah i would say that will will brought the song for sure you know so was it,
0: was it weird considering uh death star before that had a certain vibe i felt like it was a little bit of a, a... I guess a more progier vibe than DBM-1. So I know they, like, for for the most part, have the instrumentals done before vocals. Was it, like, a little bit of a shock going in there and hearing how the album was? I know Zach said you, you sat in every now and then for that, but uh, did your writing process have to change for, like, a more upbeat, happy album compared to the other one that was, you know, more of a scene album?
4: Darker,
1: yeah. Yeah, I, man, I don't... I don't know. All I remember is just being like, I, you know, I need to do the best I possibly can. Cause I, I, I know that this was my, this was my ticket. You know what I'm saying? I fucking got a golden ticket, Johnny, Johnny screwed up. And, and, and now I, I get to, you know, I get to try and fill his shoes. And uh, I was just trying my absolute hardest to keep up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember that first tour, I had to sing a- almost all Johnny songs. I had to sing all Downtown Battle Mountain. I think I did one whatever I say is Royal Ocean song, but I had to sing all of Johnny's shit and that was that was fucking hard, dude. And I even remember trying out, I had to sing I had to sing Lemon meringue Thai. I had to sing Times New Roman. And I think, I think I had to sing Ant Lion. And I remember just, like, completely babying my voice that whole time. Like, I, w- I used to smoke cigs even back then. And I, I remember I quit. I, like, completely just – I was just, like, fuck this. I can't even do this right now. I would still smoke weed and, like, drink and shit. But I, like, didn't – I didn't smoke cigs <laughs> so that I could, like, sound the best, you know, and because the shit was tough. And they – they also tried out Kellen Quinn, so that was pretty crazy. Like he obviously had like a way higher range and shit, so he could do that. But I think I think they chose me because my voice has a little bit more grit. You, your voice is
0: definitely way more interesting, and I mean, I'm only basing him off "Sleeping with Sirens," where you have a, a larger catalog. But I mean, you're you're clearly the better writer.
1: Well, thank you. So, um, so, I, it makes sense. Kellen has always been literally the nicest dude to me every time i've seen him he is like i don't know he's just been the nicest dude like hug hug like hang out like laugh talk blah blah blah. it's pretty crazy and he was in a band before sleeping with sirens too that i remember watching and being like oh this is pretty good you know this is this is dope anyways (laughs) um I don't even remember the question. What? 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 What was I thinking when I was when I was like recording the record or self-titled or whatever? Rob, help me out. I,
0: I have a <laughs>
3: problem. <laughs> I'm the worst. Yeah, it was,
2: I can't I follow
0: along with my it's own okay. all <laughs> the time. Oh Rob, help me out.
4: We were. He he just he just asked you. He said um, the difference between recording for the subtitled versus oh. happiness. Obviously, a darker tone and a more funky vibe. How was that process like for you preparing to record the different albums? Yeah, Something I thought like that, that I believe.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no, totally.
1: <laughs> so I think the the first record, I I I was very like green. I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. I was just trying to like be you know be as genuine as possible and like you said like interesting. I I wanted to try and be very interesting. And that, that record to me felt a lot more gimmicky than, than Happiness because, like, well, you know, okay. we got Tino on the record. We got fucking Matt Geise from Lower Definition on the record. Tino on there. We got – yeah we we pulled we, we pulled everything we got um dude from gatsby's american dream i forget his fucking name right now uh, yeah, i just yeah. see his face nick Newsom. nick Newsham, so that's right. right i i just think ryan reynolds because he looks he kind of <laughs> looks like a, an actor or something you know what i mean and he i can yeah, see that too <laughs> yeah he he's kind of like that in real life too he's very he's very uh just cool like cool guy but anyways <laughs> we were trying to push zach to do a whole album with him since they did
0: uh,
2: oh, that, that songs with them. that'd
1: be super dope he's nick Nisham's definitely like a hook factory you know what i mean very interesting and 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 descriptive lyrics and stuff but uh what was i gonna say oh yeah so the self-titled record i think DGD knew that losing Johnny was gonna be like a, a huge deal, yeah. And right. so, you know, to help me out, basically, oh, let's get Chino, let's get Nick Newsom, let's get Matt Geisey, let's, you know what I'm saying, like. And even the record let's was throw a party
4: on that album, yeah.
1: It's a whole party, exactly. It's yeah. like it's a very, it's very interesting and nostalgic now because it was so unique, and I think. Right. I think we were kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better term, we were trying to pull out all the stops. Yeah. You know, and mm. it was in, in order to, like, compensate, I guess, for, for losing Johnny. But but happiness was different. Happiness was more like, okay, we, you know, we felt a little bit more comfortable, or at least I did, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and we were a little bit more mis- uh, established in, in the sound that, they're, that we're doing now. Uh, we still had backlash, though. Like, I... Pretty much, I felt like we had backlash the entire time I was in the band. And then when they got Johnny back, that was literally, a, I, I mean, it might just feel like that to me, but feel like people were like, oh, you know, bring Kurt back. Yeah, I know it. When mm-hmm. I was in the band, when I was in the band, they were, they were like screaming, bring back Johnny, with a vengeance, like get this piece of shit off the stage. <laughs> so that you know johnny can you know come back so and eventually that's what happened i mean they got their wish they literally complained about it so much that they kicked me out and, and got johnny again i had um,
0: many of youtube comment section fights about and people were like bring back johnny i'm like happiness is better than any album that they put out yeah. before like shut up know your place <laughs> like <laughs> uh. But it's, yeah
1: it's <laughs> funny' because music is all you know subjective anyway right. so it's funny to have an opinion on 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 something because there's been many excellent performances from 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 everybody that's been a part of uh dance gavin dance and and uh so it's it's kind of hard to compare and uh it's been a it's been a very weird life being compared to other people being under like a fucking magnifying glass. And like, I never, I never asked for that. I never asked for to be, to be compared. And I never said that I was the best at anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, Mm -hmm. I, I I love music and, and, you know, want to create it and, if people want to create it with me, then that, then there it is, you know? Yeah. So it's even pretty crazy. I, I, I've, I've learned to kind of respect, you know, just the, the amount of heads that are looking at this, like, you know, if they didn't care about you, they, they, they wouldn't even say, Oh, I think Tillian's the best. No, I think Johnny's the best. No, I think Kurt's the best. I think John Mess is better than all of them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> You know what I'm saying?
4: (laughs) Kurt's been hanging out on Swan Posting. It sounds like. (laughs)
1: Oh no! Hell no! There's there's no way. There's there's no way you'll catch me in there. I. Well, and isn't there so many of them now? There's like a ton of like subs. You can get really deep in that shit, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like I I think uh, there's Swan Posting too now. There's two or three, right? There's two or three big ones, yeah. and then yeah. the people in those groups they make smaller groups to talk more refined shit. And so, then the same
4: people in the groups get the groups canceled because they can't follow rules or they just go off the wall and it's like insane. And
0: obviously, everyone's you know, just you know reporting <laughs> each other. They got like they keep getting closed down because people just keep uh, reporting, no. reporting stuff. But it's uh. Yeah, and then some people who are on Swamp Posting get together, and they're like, hey, let's start a Dance Gavin Dance podcast, because it's COVID, and, like, what else are we going to do on a Friday?
2: <laughs>
0: oh, okay, I see now, I see now yeah. well,
1: what's going on here. Um, oh, we were actually all friends well, this, before that, and
2: we got mad at
1: it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, We we dig it. And like I said, you you have to have a certain level of respect for it. You know what I mean? Because, you know, if people weren't talking about you, then you wouldn't be able to do what you do, quote unquote, like professionally or some, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't consider myself to be in the major leagues by any means, but I feel like, you know, if you can, if you can call this your career, you know, you have to respect it. You have to respect the people that, that care enough to even talk shit. <laughs> you, know? right, right. you have well, to. I can
4: so. I can I can honestly say, Kurt, that you get a lot of love on Swan Posting and all three of us love you deeply. So regardless of what your experience was in the past or now or whatever,
1: we love you no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> um I I am so very fortunate. You know, I, I I, I'm biting my nails constantly, worrying about if if, if people think I'm a, a good person or not. Uh, no, I'm just. But it, you know, it, it's it sucks that that being an artist equals being somewhat of a fucking influencer nowadays. Um, you know, you know, because it, it kind of just with the times, it goes hand in hand. And uh, I, I asked myself right. like, why don't I have my own podcast? You know, I'm, I, there's, there's an untapped market out there. You know, well, what the <laughs> fuck you doing, bro? You know, so. But <laughs> don't do it. But, uh, it's, it's so much you're a busy work.
0: guy, it's though. True. Man.
1: You got a lot going on right now. Well, you take, you take those guys that are, you know, doing the patreons and stuff. That's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of work. You know the people with their twitch accounts you know that they do that and and uh or cameo or what what whatever whatever you know platform that's that is a lot of work uh it's a lot of editing and you know time that you put in um so but it's necessary you know you gotta you gotta do that kind of shit and yeah, I guess it looks like I'm doing a bunch of stuff because when I record, I try to record like a ton of stuff like a ton of content so that i can just kind of sit back and and uh and really not sit back but tour it you know
4: mm-hmm.
1: play the music that you write go ahead. even
4: um you didn't touch on it you didn't touch on it too much but you you have your own record label and you manage bands and actually i had the pleasure of uh meeting one of the bands that you um manage uh, body thief yeah. yeah actually they, oh, they put a show awesome. yeah they put a show on the east coast and um i was i was friends with the lilac king guys and they were on this road okay. together yeah and uh i was like you guys like where are you guys staying and like, you need a place to stay and i i was in this like huge house and i was like you guys come over like we shoot the shit and hang out and i interviewed uh lilac kings that night and like uh-huh. all those dudes are really cool dudes but back to my question um yeah. you know what's it like doing a managing label and, and managing um you know bands and things
1: I, I mean yeah i've I've been doing you know the the label not not super like not super hard but uh, yeah i've been I've been doing the label and i've been doing management uh for the last like oh man like five years maybe i I'd, I'd say that's safe to say five years and I think i've learned a lot of things I think I definitely when I first started out I I bit off a little more than I could chew you know some bands that like I represented or whatever it was it was hard to keep up with everything but I mean that's just kind of the nature of the beast but uh so I I kind of learned from my mistakes a little bit throughout the years and it's pretty cool I, I I definitely I don't know how long my musical career will last. I, I I feel like it could go on forever, you know what I mean? If, if you really wanted it to. Mm-hmm. I always thought that maybe if I wasn't able to play music, that would be like a great way to kind of influence the scene the same way, you know, or slightly the same way as being in a band, being a, a right. singer, you know what I mean? Because if you are, The guy behind the scenes promoting the bands in your area or whatever that changes a lot of things like you know butterfly effect you know as far as where the music goes and and what the newest thing is and you know that sort of thing uh underground music becomes mainstream you know you have punk rock and then you've got billy idol you know what i'm saying like it's it's crazy and punk rock turned into the most commercial thing of all time so it you know yeah so it but you I always thought that that would be cool to to do management and you know the whole record label thing whenever I can and that the, the coolest thing about the record label is that I can put out my own music on the mm. label that's that's mm-hmm. that's really what the record label is is it, it's literally nothing else it's so that I can put out my own albums and get almost like a hundred percent of right. the royalties, because you know the, a lot of the times in especially in my career you you don't get a hundred percent of the royalties um, right. and you get a very small percentage, but what you do get is exposure and other perks, you know what I mean uh, so, yeah, you kind of sell your soul to the to the label, but then that label hooks you up with a bunch of shit. And then, yeah. you know, as you grow older or more into your career, you kind of shed the things that you needed at, at first, but now you kind of don't. So that's kind of where right. the label, it comes in for me. Um, and then management is a lot more, the other thing is... I fucking love Body Thief and Adventurer and Televangelist and, um... Shout out. You know, Adventurer is your band, and, and, too? Well, I'm sorry? Adventurer is on your label, too? Yeah. Manage yeah. huh. oh. oh. Well, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. But, yeah, Adventurer's new album is coming out on Esk Records. Body Thief is technically on Esk Records right now, but I just, I just really manage them. They put out their own records. Um... Same thing with televangelists. Like, I, I just basically, like, shout them out and help them out whenever they need. And uh, A Marionette's kind of the same thing. A Mar- I've released, you know, A Marionette's records before, and I just kind of, like, rep them.
4: And correct me if I'm wrong, Kurt, with A Marionette, you did some, like, vocal production, and you were involved in kind of the, some of the production of the new
1: album? On the newest record, yeah. Yeah. I flew into Vegas, and basically... I think I had like two days there, two or three days, and so what me and me and Izzy did was we just kind of like went through all of all of the choruses, and we just kind of bounced ideas off each other and been like, "Oh no, do this part, that would be sick right there, you know, shit like that, um, Very cool and uh yeah, I loved that, and i I really, really would like to get into that. Uh, like producing more people's vocals Um, and just being like bro that's the hook that's not the verse that's the fucking hook right there put that there and we'll figure out something else for this part you know what I mean I I had a a a really fun time doing shit like that Mm -hmm. so I would I would love to Yeah. yeah I would love to do more stuff like that
4: well, I even, I even heard on a, on a podcast a little bit ago, obviously, you know, Corey Lockwood from A Lot Like Birds, um, when you were in the studio with him at some point, there were there were parts or times when you kind of pushed him to, like, push his voice in certain ways, so it's almost like you were kind of helping him vocally, too, in, in certain situations when you guys are recording, where he felt like he couldn't sing a certain part well, with you. Does that ring any bells for you?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I... I I don't know who had said that, but, um, that's, yeah, that's, that's somewhat on the money because, uh, basically me and Corey, we would be doing vocals together. And, and so, you know, he would, he would sing a part and it wouldn't come out as well or whatever. And so I think the only thing I helped him with was like really just kind of breathing, You know what I mean? I would tell him like, Mm. yo, while you're listening to this playback before you hit this part or whatever, just slowly breathe in and Mm. just try and expand your, your lungs, you know, as much as you can so that you, you, when you do hit it, because I think he was kind of, he would kind of go, (sighs) you know what I mean? And then, and then like try and hit it and, at right. that point, he just needed a little bit of just guidance in that way, but Cory 's an incredible okay. lyricist, and he 's pretty damn good with uh with phrasing, so we bounced off oh, we bounced yeah. a lot of ideas together and and it was it was quite the it was quite the marriage between us two. It was very seamless so and we we did that intentionally it, we really tried to uh, also speaking of right.
4: Speaking of Corey, now, in, in the Shane Told podcast that I heard with him, he had mentioned that you guys were working on something on the side. So what, it was after A Lot Like Birds. Obviously, it was more recent that you guys were, like, working on something in the studio together. Can you talk about that at all? Or is there anything in the works with you two Aww. collaborating again?
1: Um I see
4: a big smile. So I, I hope I'm going to get good news. <laughs> oh,
1: um. <laughs> so... Me and Corey were gonna be on a song together with a band, and I ended up not singing on that song. Um, but we did hang okay. out, and I think the original plan was for me to be on that song. But me and Corey, we kind of, uh, we we kind of thought about it, and we're just kind of like, well, if this is the 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 next time we're gonna record together, uh, I don't think we want it to be with this other band I think we wanted to be like something more substantial Mm -hmm. so we were thinking in terms of like in the future like I don't know how would it look to do a song together after all these years and it not be in a lot like bird song or or something like that you know what I mean so he ended up singing on it and then I didn't uh and the song is still not out so I can't I can't really say. Right. So, but I'm I'm not on the song, so it would I, I he was probably okay. speaking the truth because I was gonna be on the song, but then we decided, well, we're just gonna save it for something awesome in the future.
4: Uh, I'm gonna hold that <laughs> out for something awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: know, I know that's that. I'm being vague for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right.
4: Yeah. Okay. I got you, Kurt. I got you.
0: <laughs> so we, don't, we don't want to hold Kurt for uh, too much longer. So yeah, can,
3: I, uh, can I jump in here and ask a question then?
0: Oh, yeah. I, for, I forgot good. you were here, Matt.
3: Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm Kurt, here too.
0: <laughs> Kurt, meet Matt. Matt, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. <laughs>
3: um, so, my question for you is, um, so both of your parents were uh, gymnasts. So uh did you ever do gymnastics when you were younger?
1: I I did, yeah. Um I kinda still do. Um it it's it's kinda like riding a bike. You never mm-hmm. really get rid of it. Um but yeah, my, my whole family is very much into gymnastics. And uh and yeah, that is totally true. Uh I think my parents met at like a gymnastics meet or something like that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> And they're both they're That's both awesome. very
1: very tiny people, uh, very short. Very, yeah. You know, gymnasts are super short. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Matt yeah. and I were both
0: gymnasts, so yeah. like I remember yeah. uh, back in the day, like my coach showing us videos of your dad. So when I when I heard yeah. that Damn. Kurt Thomas was your dad,
3: I was like, ah, oh, full circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're, you're, like yeah that's like that's all like my coaches would just there were two gymnasts that so they would just go on and on about it was your dad and mitch gaylord the two of them yeah it was just like oh th- these guys are legends they're le-
0: <laughs> are we ever gonna get to see some uh maybe
3: like a standing back tuck or something on stage so, <laughs> oh my
0: god
3: trampoline
1: acrobatics on no the road, shane
3: uh, it's, it's got to be flares <laughs>
1: you know what's sad is i've never ever been able to do a flare ever never dad dear old dad fucking invented it and yeah could never do it um i was never flexible enough so i would uh it takes it's for the pommel horse it takes an extreme amount of like upper body strength and i just I never have had that.
2: (laughs) Uh, I've never had that,
1: so uh, it's
0: like par for the course for uh, most most musicians. Occasionally, you'll see someone who's like comes out on stage who's like, and you're like, well, you should be partying more. Like, what are you doing?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I uh, I'm at the point where like I need to like oh shit a tour's coming up. I need to start running. <laughs> I need to, like, pizza. Yeah. yeah, Like I need to cut out certain food groups. <laughs> it's it, yeah. You really, you have to prepare for it. Yeah. It's like, it's like anything else you have to prepare for that marathon. Yeah. I, I I thought I'd never say this, but I really miss touring because I, <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely, I mean, I don't hate touring, but for a vocalist it's really hard and it's like mentally just very taxing i'm always afraid i'm gonna die in a car crash like it's sucks traveling for me is is uh scary and i i try to relax but just over the years the amount of traveling i've done i just it's very anxiety prone so i I could i could see that just you know your average day
0: of like sleeping in one place and then you know going over to your friend's house and then like just the whole the whole transition of not having like a stable place like you could you could kind of feel that in the back of your mind. Yeah, it's it's hard not to drink
1: <laughs> like on tour. It's it's hard not to just like wake up and be like, fuck, you just up oh, beer. Yep, let's <laughs> do it. It's really really hard because yeah, uh, you don't get good sleep you're most you know half the time you're driving through the night so you know who drives i always wondered like on tours like Mm -hmm. like, the denver the denver to salt lake is always such a bitch you play denver and then the next day you're in salt lake city and for me I, i mean i don't know about other bands or whatever but salt lake city is a really bad city for me like it's not good and denver is a great city so it's like you have this awesome show and then you drive through the night and then you just play this crappy show <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it like the crowd or
0: the fact that you can only get like three percent beers in utah which is major uh, in mine?
1: <laughs> it's just yeah not a lot of people show up they don't care about this kind of music they just Mm -hmm. don't there is a really really good underground scene like underground like post-hardcore scene Mm -hmm. and if you play with the right band in salt lake city i'm sure your show is dope but yeah i mean i've never really uh had any big draws in salt lake city uh unless it was with i don't know some salt lake city bands that that draws a lot so how do you uh we're we're like northeast, so you could answer
0: this one hundred percent seriously. <laughs> <laughs> how how do Philly shows? How are Philly shows like? Oh my god! Everyone's like, oh yeah, this is, like I feel like everywhere I go, it's like, oh, this is my favorite. scene to play, in. like, what is the actual vibe at like a, a Philadelphia show, like Voltage Phil- Lounge or something?
1: Voltage Lounge shows are awesome. They're they're great. Yeah, we we look forward to Philly. Every, every tour, you know, they're it's such a roller coaster, uh, you know, playing a really small town or just like Des Moines, Iowa or something like that. Yes. There's a promoter in that town and yes, they'll give you X amount of dollars. So instead of eating that night's worth of gas, you play a show in front of, you know, 20, 30 people or something like that. And they buy your merch and you, you get enough money. You know what I mean? You get enough to get to that next show and then yeah you get you get to a place like Philadelphia and it's just packed and you're just like oh thank god like last night sucked i mean not that it sucked but it's like you're you're out here to 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 do a job and when people don't show up it's it it's kind of like a just kind of a blow to the old ego I, at least it affects me a lot you know, I really didn't start noticing and dealing with that until I had to be, you know, until I became a solo artist. Cause usually like whenever I'm in a band, like the tours are pretty fat, but you going out by yourself, that's, you're putting yourself out there. You know what I mean? Like you're just, it's different. It's much, much different. It's I, and I think it's a a little easier for people to get behind a band you know what i mean like it's like a symbol it's like a moniker you know what i'm saying but just (laughs) kurt travis who who is that is that a country singer like (laughs) like what why is he special and of course and of course you don't want to put on your flyer every single time like this is the dance gavin dance singer that was yeah. on these two records you know or if you like <laughs> a lot like birds and you're gonna love kurt travis fuck that dude you just want to put your name on a fucking flyer and hope that people know about it and hope that people know who your name is so yeah when i go as kurt travis a solo artist to the voltage lounge in philadelphia and it's sold out like that's that's really freaking special like for me for on for andreas like me and andreas have done it a couple times i think andreas Uh, and and yeah like i'm sure andreas could do it by himself because he pulls really well uh in philly just like i do and uh us together it's just like the the place is bursting you know it's it's awesome and uh yeah we really look forward to to shows like that it's it's why we keep doing it because if the shows just kept getting shittier and shittier and shittier and shittier. shittier. Then it's like, well, man, maybe we should, (laughs) maybe you should throw in the towel. Right. Yeah. Uh, But then there's just some places on tour that just, you know, they, they just ain't into it and you gotta, and you gotta deal with it. So, but yeah, I mean, you run into that kind of stuff and i think it's going to be really interesting once shows come back and please come back (laughs) right right once
2: once shows come
1: back like i think people are really really not going to take their their artists for granted anymore they're going to show the fuck up i know i it and i'm super excited too because uh, <laughs> that means really good things for the bands that that I try and bring up, like you know, like the Body Thieves and the mm-hmm. and the Televangelists and the Adventurers and the Marionettes, dude. Like that's great news for bands like that. Bands that I think deserve a chance and are kind of carrying the torch to the next yeah. the next era of where we're going. Right.
2: So gotta so make it through COVID my, first. Uh,
1: yeah, so the last, actually the last <laughs> show
0: I saw was uh, the your show at the Voltage Lounge with Royal Coda. Oh, nice. And yeah, that was a great show. You guys, I mean, I am a huge diehard, like, Strawberry Girls fan. Like, I love everything they do. And for some reason that night, like, I think you guys were like the second or third act. Like, you guys just sounded so good. You stole the show. Hey. So, so <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Zach is literally my favorite guitarist of all times, but like, that Royal Coda show. So my question is, I've been wanting to ask this for a while is with Dance Gavin and Dance, all their shows seem very, like everything seems very structured. Uh, not a lot of like occasionally you'll hear correct me if I'm wrong occasionally you'll hear like a, a different fill maybe the vocalist will do like a different run with Royal Coda I heard Joseph Arrington and Sergio talk about how with Royal Coda you guys improv live like a lot they say they liked they like it because they could play around with that shows um, yeah how how true is that and is that different than what Dance Gavin Dance does
1: <laughs> yeah, it's practically the opposite. So, you know, Royal Coda is just um, really just a dream come true. You've got, in in my humble opinion, some of the most talented musicians in the genre. And so we've all kind of played with each other one way or another, too. So we also share this, like, we know what somebody does Joe has these like weird little cues that I that I can pick up on when he's gonna start going nuts or whatever. Same thing with with Sergio and and Will and 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 Stefan and everything. There's these like unspoken cues, and really, <laughs> I don't do much. I just kind of like click on the old delay pedal and and do some Robert Plant, you know, crooning. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, or I'll, or I'll pick up a fucking, uh, like a shaker or something. You know what I'm saying? And, and, mm-hmm. and just dance and stuff and have a great time. But yeah, for them, they're not playing to a click. They're not playing to a metronome. Oh, wow. Joe is, he practices to a metronome and can play to a metronome. And I think he plays to a metronome now on our new set, because, but at, before Will joined the band, we were very freeform. It was no click and it was just, there were certain parts in the set that we would extend because we only had a certain amount of songs. Yeah. So unless we wanted to play our whole set, you know, or our whole I album that. or whatever, which we basically did. I think yeah. we would only play like one song out of, out of the EP. Um, but in order to fill time really we would just jam the fuck out and jason ellis was in the band for a while until will joined the band is that a coincidence no it's it's (laughs) some shit was happening in jason's life Mm -hmm. he needed to take care of uh some family stuff okay and uh i I, like i mentioned earlier jason's kind of a you know super introvert yeah i've had a hard time like convincing him to be in a band because uh since five minute ride because i don't know i just don't think he likes it the the concept of it but and yeah he's just not you you know when you're in a band you have to kind of do certain things and he doesn't he 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 just wants to jam Mm -hmm. he
2: doesn't
1: he doesn't want all the other stuff yeah (laughs) (laughs) He just wants to write music and, and record it and maybe play it live once or twice. He He's, does not. He should yeah. sound to be a studio musician. Uh, absolutely, yeah. He would love that. He would absolutely love that. I know that works for a lot of people. Yeah, um, so,
0: so back to, uh, I guess that's like our one complaint about, I hate, I don't like, don't wanna be the person who's like. Is being that guy. I, I'm a I'm a <laughs>
3: <laughs> He's about to be that guy. It's like, I'm not racist. Don't hold far. back,
2: bro. back. Um, <laughs>
0: well, so like one of the things that we, it's like a minor complaint about, you know, the Dan Scaven dance set is like, we know there's limitations with like, the, especially with John screaming. And we always just feel like the shows are a little short. And, you know, when I go see bands like Incubus or Dave Matthews or like, you know, it's, they were like a little bit more in the, the jam, the jammy era. But yeah. with, with Dance, Gavin Dance, I feel like you just get a lot of what's... It's too much like the album. Too, yeah, it's like great. You, <laughs> just you, really you, you sound perfectly that. like the album, but like I won. me personally, I want a little more. But like, I mean, who am I? I'm just like some, mm. some asshole doing a podcast <laughs> with like two of my idiot friends. No, uh,
1: I-, I can relate to that. I saw Tame Impala once and it was a festival setting. And I was watching them and I'm, and I'm literally, I was kind of pissed. I was like, somebody mess up. Like, so I know that this is real. You know what I'm Part saying? Simulation. Um, oh, exactly. <laughs> somebody, yeah. Somebody just like, you know, crack their voice or something <laughs> shit. You know, cause it was so perfect. Sounded exactly like mm-hmm. the record. And I think that's incredible because guys, that's what we're supposed to do.
2: <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> you wrote a
1: record. Now we're you made it. now we playing live. It. That's what you're supposed to fucking do,
2: right? <laughs> I'm greedy, but
1: but
2: you're I right. I want more.
1: It, exactly. No, but I've I've been in that same same predicament. It's like, man, these guys just sound like the record, and it's. <laughs> like, it's it's
0: like so, so titled. So some so people entitled. can't.
2: Some people can't. I know. It's such a
1: backhanded compliment. You
2: know what I mean? Like, like, I man,
1: they were so bad. They just sounded exactly like their record. Man. <laughs> yeah. It sounded exactly like it. They they didn't fuck up or anything. I couldn't even tell if it was real or not. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> but I,
0: I love I a do, good fuck up. I relate. Like when uh. Um, I don't know if you ever listened to the Dispatch, the band.
1: Dispatch, but, uh-uh. I'll check them out.
0: They're they're cool. They're like um, they're actually popular from Napster, like back in the day. They're like oh, oh
2: wow, okay. Little Shout out, jammy Napster. band.
0: Um, I'm sure you've heard of Matt uh, Embray from like the Sound of Animals Fighting, Our Bandits. Sure, sure. Um, so he's like doing some shit with them, but so they have like very. Uh, you know it's like there's like a little bit of a folk vibe going on okay so so there's like it's very lyric heavy and the lead singer often forgets lyrics but it's like it's kind of fun when he like fucks up he looks at the band and they'll like they'll like kind of jam around it and then get back into it (laughs) so like yeah i like it's it's nice to see that human element because like we all assume you guys
1: are yeah, you know, perfect all the time
2: oh <laughs> the man yeah, yeah sure sure, sure.
1: <laughs> you don't gotta lie to kick it bro I, I i i know i fuck up i i definitely do i'm i'm human but i got in-ears now so like it's a lot easier to to save your voice a lot of the reasons why like you know you'll go to see a band and they the guy's voice is just shitty and you're like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? It's it's probably because of his mix. It's probably because like can't hear himself, or mm. he couldn't hear himself the day before that and blew out his voice. Cause that's yeah. that's what I do. If I can't hear myself on stage, I will sing louder and strain my voice. But with in ears, I, I I can sing normally because I can hear myself. It's kind of like. Talking, having a conversation with somebody with your with headphones on, you're gonna talk way louder. You know what I'm saying? And that's mm-hmm. just kind of the dynamic, because you're trying to talk over the, something that you can't, that you that you've got on your ear. You know. Mm-hmm. But
0: so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna start firing away questions so we could we get mm-hmm. through some stuff. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do I'm gonna keep you for like three years. Like we're already. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as long as you're good, having man. fun. Okay. Yeah,
2: no. Um, totally
0: so, actually, one of the things I really want to talk about is your vocals in Eternity Forever. Like, <laughs> I didn't know Eternity Forever existed. And one of uh, my buddies who I jam with was like, yo, man, you got to check out this band. And I'm listening to it. I'm like, is someone just trying to straight up steal Kurt Travis's style? <laughs> I was like, I feel like... I don't know it's it was just so different like I didn't I didn't recognize your voice you had like a little bit of like a sultry like Macy Gray type <laughs> type vibe going on with that which is I guess you're, you're kind of like a vocal chameleon you got those those impossible scream shouts. it's like oh my god you, you and Dave Grohl are like yes. are the people I know who could pull it
2: off
0: <laughs> that's, that's good <laughs> oh, company thanks, man. <laughs> but like so what went So Zach was saying that like when you guys were like working it out, that you, you know, you're really pushing yourself. Where did that voice come from? Like, is that, were those effects or was that something that you manufactured out of your body? So
1: it's a, it's a, it's a couple of factors. One, I had just come back from Europe and I was jet lagged as fuck. And I had just gotten done with, uh, the 10-year tour in Europe wow. with dance gavin dance. So my voice was already just tired and my body was was tired. I had just gotten back home literally that day or something like that. And I had got I had gotten the text from Ben and was like, hey, we're thinking about featuring a couple artists on these songs with Brandon. And I was like, oh, cool. Uh, I just got back from Europe. I'm probably not interested. uh, But thanks, though. I I listened to the songs and I was like, can I? I, I'm like, I'm on a bus. Like, I I think I I took a train. I took a train there. I don't think I even had a car at the time. But I was like, dude, I'm going to be there tomorrow. Because I, I, I just knew they were gonna be, the they were gonna be big. Yeah, that like the songs were huge. And it was just the guitar. There was no drums, there was no bass, there's no nothing. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: they had just recorded the guitars. And I think they wanted me on two songs and they offered me a rate to do it. And I said, that's too low. And I go, I tell you what, let's make it a band. I'll be on all four songs. And we can just split it three ways, like like we're in a band, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that that's that's what they ended up doing. They were like, okay, you can be on all four of the songs, because yeah, they they wanted another vocalist on the on. They wanted me on two, and then somebody else on another two. And I was like, nah, <laughs>
4: I'm
1: doing all i I'm, I'm doing all four of these songs.
4: Did they know who they wanted at the time? Did you know the name oh, of yeah. someone, or they just? Yeah,
1: no, I I, I knew who it was. Uh, Joey. Uh, uh, he's on the strawberry uh, girls right albums yeah belt bell noir yeah, yeah.
2: cool
0: yeah. yeah so how'd you choose those uh vocal styles Oh, so yeah, that's what I was getting to. Is, uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> man. I just, yeah, curve no, we we, uh, we yeah. love the tangents. That's what yeah. we're about. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: um, so the reason I brought all that up is because my voice was super tired, and uh, I was super jet-lagged. I went the next day, and I I literally had no full voice. I I I mean, I had full voice, but it it just – my falsetto was way more strong and it yeah it had this like raspy al green you know sound and it was really working with the jazzy chords that he was playing i remember just cracking the fuck up in the studio just writing like dumb lyrics you know like just trying to get the phrases mm-hmm. i think i was like <laughs> like like i i love you so damn much like <laughs> uh it's smacking up and on that bud or something like you know what i'm saying like just like being hella stupid and like i don't know but uh but yeah so having a lot of fun with the lyrics just playing around with and it was all about like m- my europe trip basically i did the dgd tour and then after the tour i stayed in europe and like kind of had like a vacation before i went home and so that's why I was saying, like, you know, when I'm in Rome singing my song, or you know, like, <laughs> or like, I'm in the subway because I'm in Paris, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. the Metropolitan subway oh, yeah. and shit like that. But yeah, that's why, because I was all, I was, I was in Europe at the time, and I was in a very, yeah, I was just happy, you know what I mean? I was in a happy mood, and uh, I had like, uh, I had parted ways with a lot, like birds and just kind of felt like a huge weight lifted off my shoulders, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Eternity Forever was very appropriate. It was like just really like happy and the subject matter was very like, ooh, lovey-dovey. You know what I mean? That kind of mm-hmm. shit. Um, so
0: It's a very romantic album. I- I may or may not have played yeah. it in certain situations. <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey. Uh,
1: Thank,
0: thanks, Kurt. Hooks yeah, <laughs> no me up, you'd even know. I
1: got you, dog. I got you, bro. Uh, Barry White used to work, you know what I'm saying? But uh, <laughs> yeah got that new eternity forever, dog. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> But yeah, so you know, I was just I was just using my my vocals the only way I could. Like I honestly, I was doing it out of necessity because the the more full voice stuff wasn't working a whole lot because I was so exhausted, and I had this like ah you know like that very raspy when you when you have a cold you have that what's that what's that Friends episode where uh, Phoebe gets like a sexy voice because she's she's got a cold. <laughs>
2: yeah yeah, and everybody's like it's her
1: best performance ever she she gets better and and nobody wants to hear her play anymore but but yeah it 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 kind of uh was the same thing like i i was just sick and my body was tired but i pushed it anyway so that's why it has that raspy voice and then if you can hear <laughs> you can hear it on uh what is it letting go how many vocal tracks Ben layered on that shit so it, it, next time you listen to it turn it up really loud after i say uh, in the beginning it's like maybe i'll just go, of maybe mm-hmm. i'll just da-da-da-da-da. and right before i go well, call me up and feel lonely. I, you can hear me like breathing in like fucking six times. It's like <laughs> like that. Because it's like six fucking uh, layers of my vocals at the same time. <laughs> next time like right in that part you gotta turn it up really high because you can hear me going like like fucking six or seven times i swear to god so he like didn't edit that part i guess and so yeah <laughs> you can hear you can hear every single fucking track over like at different times yeah
4: Tony funny how much you notice that being the guy who
1: sung it and knowing all the
4: layers and stuff like no not a lot of people are going to hear that but you obviously sung it and you're like so technical about your oh, voice it's really funny
1: yeah yeah you it's a curse man you're you're critical of yourself for sure of course. of course yeah do you have
2: any uh
0: any favorites that that you've written like i mean throughout your whole i guess the curtis oh my god is there anything a uh, lot of like, songs I, bro <laughs> fucking killed it like uh, <laughs> like you secretly pat yourself on the back every time you uh you hear a play oh fuck ah uh, shit i put you on the spot so it's like no one's going to question you being
1: humble i I, I, <laughs> I would definitely say the royal coda stuff i mean i know it's like the newest shit but i'm i'm really proud of that stuff i feel like i it's been a long journey to find uh where where my voice is and and how i like to do things or what's my genuine sound or what's my signature thing and uh i really think i i nailed it with uh with royal coda so any anything off of the newest record and we've we've got some some new shit that i've I've been bumping which is oh, okay. yeah it's, yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh it's, it's 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 i'm proud of it i'm i'm very proud of it I play it and I listen to it. I'm like, yeah, that's yes. <laughs> I am I'm actually really
0: glad you said that because out of out of all your work, I I mean, I really love Eternity Forever and obviously your Dance Gavin Dance and blah blah blah. Like, I love all your shit. But that last Royal Coda album, man, that thing is still playing on repeat for me. That's I think Thank that's you. my favorite. It's like exactly like you said. I just felt like you you seemed so comfortable. You had like the you know your signature like shouty clear high vocals but i don't know there's just there's just something so like like a lot like birds is very artsy and i feel like this is somewhere in between like the catchiness of dance gavin dance and the artsiness of a lot like birds so i said
2: yeah
1: absolutely
3: and i i remember just how hyped (laughs) we were for for that album to come out like because we you know we heard the singles we saw you guys perform live and oh, yeah, we just saw you so... play
0: before we <laughs> the album dropped
3: yeah so we were, we were like i just remember like being just so hyped up for that album and you guys definitely delivered
1: thanks man yeah it's um <laughs> the the record really i think it came out really well and then um the the response from the the few tours that we did uh before covid hit was like really strong i was very very happy like uh like what homie said i'm sorry what's the other guy's name robert Me. you got matt robin i'm shane <laughs> okay shane you're yes. shane <laughs> i'm okay. Shane. okay so what 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 Shane said. <laughs> um, it's it's uh,
0: weird because we know you, but like it's the first <laughs> time.
2: We might to with
0: you, but like we don't expect. Mm-hmm. You right, we we're we're fucking.
1: <laughs> no, uh, but what I was gonna say is, you know, when when you said that, like we kind of stole the show with and you love strawberry girls but like you really thought that like we did really well in the, within that tour package right mm-hmm. with hail the sun and everything uh that's been like the feeling when we get on stage and we we play our set and we get off stage like it it really does feel like we set the bar high you know what i mean and i i yeah i love being a part of that i love being able to be like yeah i'm you know one fifth of that <laughs>
2: It's, you know?
0: <laughs> it's impressive because we didn't even know your, your like, so you guys obviously knew the new album and you're playing stuff off of it. And we had, we had no idea. Like, we couldn't yeah. sing yeah. So along a or anything. And mm-hmm.
2: you still Most like,
0: I feel like that's so hard to be able to to kill it while the crowd doesn't know your music.
1: Doesn't know, yeah. Thank you, man. Like that's, that's definitely what we're going for. And uh, I think our live show is like, we've got all these veterans on stage we know we know what to do we know how to like kind of be the entertaining band you know what i'm saying and and i definitely don't want to be that band that just sits there and 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 plays our parts and goes thank you good night you know what i mean i want to i feel like i've always been that guy and no matter how timid i felt you know what i mean i've always been trying to be like very engaging and just you know trying to rock the fuck out because it's it's hard to rock out when you see a band that's not you know what i'm saying and 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 it's kind of a it's kind of a look we're doing it you're okay to do it you know what i'm saying it's kind of a you know monkey see monkey do sort of thing like hey look we're going nuts you you guys should do it too yeah. so uh, i think that's that's the vibe that we bring and the energy that we bring into the room and i'm very proud of that i'm proud that we're that energetic, you know, entertaining band because that's that's what I've always tried to be—is that just in-your-face, loud band that uh-huh. you know passes the mic and jumps all over everybody and mm-hmm. rips yeah, well, their shirt and shit. You know what I mean? Like just crazy shit. Yeah, definitely do. Get your shit ripped or whatever. You know, go yeah.
4: straight tribal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what, what can we
0: expect with the new Royal? of stuff is it going to be like a similar vein or uh something different i guess um yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) go ahead go ahead what were you
0: gonna say no no, that was that was it i was oh okay okay okay. Um, questions at once i was like i i stick to one first
1: (laughs) so i think with the first record well and in truth the first record was pretty much all sergio it was intended to be sergio's solo album but he linked up with Joe, and he linked up with me, and it just seemed fitting to start a band instead, uh, instead of having it be you know, a solo uh, moniker for Sergio. So, and then Will joined the band, Jason was in the band for a hot minute, and then we now have the young buck, Stefan, which we're very, very, very excited to have Stefan uh, on board with us. He hasn't really been in any crazy bands or anything. He's just—he's a young dude. He knows his shit. I yeah. There's a lot of bass players out there, and I'm really really happy that that Stefan's our bass player. We kind of had to make that decision. Like, well, you know, Jason said that he's probably going to be on his way out. Let's because we're adding Will Swan. Maybe now's the time to kind of transition that bass player too. And so. I would say that Royal Code is Compassion is the direction that we're headed. And the the songs that did the best on Compassion, I'm sure you can expect more of that kind of sound because it, it went over so well. Just kind of survival of the fittest sort of thing. Like we've, we've found the kind of parameters that we've set for our sound. And now we're just gonna... Elaborate on on that sound. What songs so, in particular
0: did uh did you get the most
2: positive the
1: feedback on? So definitely, definitely becoming the memory did really, yeah, really it well, yeah. and it, you know that was the most throwbacky, you know, kind of sound. I would even say that I was channeling like a little bit of Andreas. You know what I'm saying? Like the fast, singing, rappy kind of stuff. At the end, uh, for sure. Yeah. You know he he i've i've been hanging out with him so much that it's just kind of rubbing off on me and uh which is cool because you know he's a huge fan of my work so it's like <laughs> we're iron sharpens iron so to speak so to speak so that's that's really cool numbing agent obviously was a really big hit i think so good. um i i think the video is probably the the most hits I've gotten you know what I'm saying the the numbing agent video so that's really really like exciting I was talking to Sergio and I guess becoming the memory is gonna hit 800,000 800k and and we didn't do a music video for becoming the memory Uh huh. so we just kind of did like an animated little thing while the song was going so that's that's like super cool. So I'm 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 glad about that. And I think what was it the Ruby one? What is it called? Ruby leaf. I, Ruby leaf. Ruby leaf. Ruby That's right. I think that one was sort of popular. I don't know. I I really enjoy that one.
4: That's one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, but I think uh, I think those were the two huge, you know, the biggest ones was numbing agent and becoming the memory. And yeah, so like I said, I mean. I think we're just going to keep writing whatever comes to us, but in the back of our minds know that certain things are, are more likable than others. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I, I'm really excited for the next record and you know, it'll, it'll, it'll come out sooner than later. And then when it comes out, I'll, I'll have to critique the shit out of it. Like I always do, (laughs) but but yeah, I'm I'm really excited. We're, we're going to be writing with Stefan. On this record. Last record was basically just Joe, Will, and Sergio, and the bass lines were kind of just written by Will. Mm-hmm. So this next record will mm. be different in that aspect of we're going to have like an actual bass player that just rips. Sweet. Um, yeah. I uh, I okay. actually had oh. Stefan in my solo band before he was in Royal Coda. I had him tour with me, and I just kind of word got back to everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I was
2: like,
1: yo, dude, this guy's hella good. Um, let's, let's pick him. Yeah, pick him. let's swoop <laughs> him. So, yeah, yeah. If Joe if Joe is happy with the bass player, then you know you found a good one. <laughs> uh, Joe, is,
0: he's so special on drums, man. Like. Yeah. I mean I love I actually don't know who I like more Matt or or Joe it's it seems a little sacrilegious for me to like <laughs> cuz I loved Matt yeah. for so long and then like this dude comes along and I'm like oh it's like that he walks such a good line between catchy and overplaying I love it it's like exactly what <laughs> I, would I want I
1: have to agree yeah that's that's a perfect perfect description is like he's over the top but somehow doesn't seem over the top it seems just clever and joe has dedicated his life to 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 learning everything he can about about his instrument and it's 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 pretty cool to watch just even his progression since a lot like birds he's he's just gotten more knowledgeable and yeah it's it's cool to watch too because he'll do he'll do drum lessons on tour oh cool And, like, people will come to the show and and get a drum lesson. And so sometimes I'll be walking around the venue and I have nothing to do. (laughs) I'm just walking around and I'll go, oh, oh, Joe's teaching a lesson. And, like, I'll listen in a little bit. He's a really good teacher. He, like, explains things really well. So not only is he a good drummer and he knows what he's doing, but he's, like, an intelligent dude and can teach you how to play like him, which is nuts. Shit, I'll have to, I'll sign up next time he comes through. <laughs> you should, dude. You definitely should. Yeah. Um, he, uh, it's more of like a lecture and he'll show you like a little bit of things that you need to go home and practice. It's pretty eye-opening, like just the way he breaks down like a a stroke. Like just like, you know, when you're doing the fast shit, mm-hmm. you do you do it this way. And if, if you're doing like the really big, powerful snare hits, just one, you know then then you're using the the whole the whole arm but if you're doing fast drum rolling stuff you're not using your whole arm and it just i don't know i, I i'm bad at explaining it but. we got <laughs> some, we got
4: some vocal tips from kurt and we got some drumming tips wow <laughs> this
3: is there's some value in this no. podcast today <laughs> hey there you go All right.
0: uh rob i think you you probably were going to ask a question about uh, <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. So I do not want to cut you off, Kurt, because you were you were on a roll there. But you were talking about um, the makings of the first record and the second record, and you said it was a lot of Will, Joe, and Sergio. Was there any overlap with the canceled, mysterious Cienvar record and the Compassion? Was there any like
0: a lot of carryover things going on right and, and
4: even even Donovan featured on a on a song like the conspiracy. The conspiracies are floating around. So I just want to get you know your your feedback here, right from the source.
1: <laughs> right. So, so yeah, the songs were written by Joe, Sergio, and Will. And there was 10 songs, uh, to be exact. And I think Will, Sergio, and Joe, being in multiple projects, pretty much, I think, like, divvied up certain songs because they would just jam and they wouldn't know like what project it was going to be for Mm -hmm. so to answer your question yes the the songs were basically meant meant for a for one band and then repurposed for a couple other bands not not just
2: for coda yeah um can
4: you can you say what other what other bands is it secret can you not (laughs) say it's up (laughs) to you man
1: (laughs) i I don't. I don't know. I. I really don't know what I can and can't say. I mean, let's just oh, okay. face it. Like, no worries. The fans love DGD and the whole DGD universe because we're we're like this. We're crazy and weird, and we do things that are unorthodox. It's just like a soap
2: opera. It's, it's,
1: like, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's this marriage
4: is very extensive. It's, in- <laughs> it's,
1: it's interesting because I don't think anybody meant to do it that way it's not reality yeah. tv it's like actual reality and yeah uh the 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 CN bar thing uh, that band kind of you know it, this shit happens all the time i don't i don't think that anybody's really upset about it or or in the dgd world like bands get created and and get they evolve to other things and and what we thought we were going to do over here You know, well, we just decided we're not going to do that anymore. So I don't know. It's just like it's just the life that we're living, and we're just trying to do it the best we can. And so we love it all. We we eat it. Yeah, I mean,
2: (laughs) keep it it, up. It
1: kind (laughs) of sucks because because I I didn't have any I didn't have any like say in the matter. I mean, I guess I had a say, but it was like I remember listening to the songs. And being like, "Oh shit, these songs are dope. Are these for Bar? And they were like, "Yeah, these are for CMVAR." I was like, "Damn, these songs are going to be sick." And then fast forward to like, "Oh shit, I'm going to be singing on these songs." It was a It was a trip. That's, that's the thing is like if if you if you have three people that are in like three different bands
2: <laughs> and,
1: and you guys get together. And you guys jam and make these songs. You're not just gonna throw them away if if the project doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so CM bar shit wasn't working, I guess. And so what's what's the most logical thing to do is yeah, we'll take these songs, we'll use them somewhere else. So yeah, I hope I I hope I didn't like spill too much of the beans. Um,
4: um, I'm glad you you enlightened you <laughs> us. That was very informative.
1: Yeah, I just very- you know. I just Good. sing on it, man. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure that people put two and two together already. Like, we try not to put banners like, hey, guess what? This fucking happened. Yeah. So it's one of those <laughs> things. Like, it, it it wasn't something that we were promoting because it's kind of a behind the scenes sort of thing. But, yeah, I mean, you really can't get around it. I, what was I supposed to do? Like, lie to you guys and say, like, no, nah, no, nah, like
2: yeah you know the songs the songs
1: were written by will sergio and joe and so that's why they were able to be repurposed and that's that's yeah the songs that we got or the songs that i had to record were were those songs
2: (laughs) so and they
1: they were i know they were very conflicted about that whole situation and they wanted to make the right decision and those songs meant a lot to Will, Sergio, and Joe. And so they just really, really wanted to make the right, the right choice for those songs. Right. Um, and so...
4: Now, yeah. did writing start for the new record when Will joined? Or was already writing before Will joined for the next record?
1: So Will joined, and I hadn't recorded all the vocals yet. But the, the music was done all the instruments were done when he joined. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, I mean, that's a big reason why he joined is because those songs were going to Royal Coda and he was like, I I love these songs. I have to play these songs. I have to play these songs. So Yeah. so, yeah.
4: Yeah. Okay. I just wasn't, I wasn't sure if you guys wrote prior to Will joining, like if you had material before Will joined for the next record and then that got, like squashed or repurposed, and then all the new Cienvar songs are repurposed. I wasn't sure if you guys wrote prior to that for the next record. That eventually became Compassion.
1: Yeah, so that's that's basically what happened. And yeah, but now, but so yeah, now the new record moving forward, I, they're gonna really try to, they or this is what they said, they they really wanna cater to my voice on this record. But dude, every band I've been in, they all say that. They all say, oh man, we really, really want to just <laughs> cater to your voice. Because that's the bet, you know, because that's really, that's really what it's all about. And then every time, and I'm like, yeah, no shit. Really? Oh my God, okay. And every time, it's like, dude, you weren't thinking about my voice. This is totally in the wrong key. So- <laughs> <laughs> Zach, wah, 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 huh? Yeah, this is- Zach Garn has literally been
4: quoted on Twitter saying, like, yeah, we wrote some crazy instrumentals, not even thinking about the vocalist. And he's talking about DGD back in the day when, when you were in the band with him. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: Shout out, Zach Garn. <laughs>
2: no,
0: it's, it's yeah,
2: it's,
1: it happens. The vocalist gets shafted every time. Because, I mean, All how, how are how are you supposed to write to a singer? Like, okay, you can only write in these notes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, mm. what are you doing? Nope, that's, that's
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: going out of the key. Going out of the key, yeah. out of the range.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly. Mm.
0: What's it? What's it like? Uh, like writing for you know a lot like Birds and Gavin Dance. Like all these are like heavily technical bands. Like, how do you find your cues? How do you come up with? Like when we were talking to Chris from Closure, he actually writes all his lyrics. He'll listen to a song and then writes all his lyrics. Like I guess based kind of based on the vibe, and then he fits his lyrics in, and that's how he comes up with the melody. Do you yeah. like so when you get these like heavily technical parts, like how do you come up with
1: your parts? Oh man, <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry to ask that.
2: Like load half
1: in, <laughs> kind of. Kind of the same way Chris does. Yeah. I'll hear the melody first and then I'll I'll really try to, you know, fit in what lyrics I want because, you know, you want to, you want to purposefully say things, right? You yeah. don't want to just say something that sounds nice, but at the same time, y- you know, some words just don't sound pretty. They don't. They, they sound ugly and even with my voice there are some vowels that i can sing better or some vowels that won't sound as nasally as as others do mm-hmm. so yeah i will definitely try and hear the melody and kind of go da 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 you know like or you know whatever i do and then i'll try and go you know plug in the words uh-huh. But you know what? With songwriting, there are no rules. I, I've, I've written songs completely right. different than what I've just said. <laughs> I've, I've, I've put in lyrics because they were funny. I've put in lyrics on purpose, uh, you know, that don't believe in. You know what I'm saying? Like shit like that. Like, yeah. I'll just do stuff because I really think that literature shouldn't have really any rules, especially the English, the English language where it's you're pulling from all sorts of different languages so i try to make my poetry just completely full of errors mm-hmm. um yeah yeah actually yeah full of errors <clears throat> because i think it's the mistakes that that stand out and not yeah not doing i don't know dotting your i's and crossing your t's it's the mistakes you like, that, like that,
4: the authentic yeah the authenticity yeah so like about that's how lies.
1: ross robinson is too you'll mm-hmm. pay ross robinson like i said like six hundred thousand dollars for him to only use your your bad takes you know (laughs) because he'll convince you that they're that they're the actual takes that have the most character and he's Mm. right i mean how is he not right yeah um but for that money he better be right (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean he did Relationship of Command uh, at the Drive-In's Relationship of Command, and mm-hmm. I think he did Glass Jaws Worship and Tribute. I mean, those records are flawless. Um, yeah. So, you know, and he also did the Blood Brothers Burn, Piano Island Burn, which is one of my favorite albums. Extremely like punk, sc- you know, post-hardcore screamo, very Fall of Troy uh, sounding, you know what I mean? Because. Mm. Uh-huh that dude loved the blood brothers he grew up in seattle shit like that so
0: yeah yeah we're we're hopefully gonna have uh thomas eric on he's uh we're like currently trying to find a date going back and forth so. nice all right so i'm gonna this will be my my last question i don't know if anyone else has anything else to to add but uh i kind of want to i'd be remiss if i didn't ask about how shelf life happened yes thank you because it's you know oh it's, wow you get, they give you the boot and then they come back and like, hey, do you wanna, it's not even like you were the, I feel like that is Dance Gavin Dance featuring Tillian, not, you know, featuring Kurt. It's like,
2: <laughs> that was
0: 100% a Kurt yeah. song. Like I was, we were real stoked to have that. And yeah, you know, so
1: how, how did that happen? Um, It's literally not even an exciting story. It was like, they asked me to do it. I beat- <laughs> I'd be an idiot to say, no, they offered me, you know, what they offered me and I accepted. I just knew that, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's like a no brainer, you know what I mean? Like you have mm-hmm. to do it basically. I, I didn't have to do it, but I was honored to do it. And, you know, for them to not have me as a vocalist for that long, and then to ask me to be on a song, I, I, I felt like, wow, like maybe I did impact them in such a way and so and that song to me was really cool it was kind of throwback and it was kind of a perfect time in my life I was like really bummed out (laughs) I was like super fucking depressed and and it just kind of fit it you know the vibe fit and it felt like an old dgd old emo song was was any of the lyrics
0: like commentary <laughs> about dance, Gavin dance at all? You know, like the
2: whole no, show. no. It
1: seems to fit. I mean, it, it, it You know, uh, the my lyrics nowadays are are very rarely about literal things. It's kind of you know wordplay and subliminal shit. Mm-hmm. So I I was definitely thinking about you know my my breakup with uh with my wife at the time so that was heavy on my mind oh man um but of course she doesn't want me to write about her so that was another thing like don't write about what you're thinking about constantly (laughs) 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 Uh, but (laughs) yeah I mean so nowadays I try to be very non-situational and just kind of like write subliminally and if i think something is impactful then i'll use it whether or not i know what the reference is yeah you know how you can kind of like you can write something and you don't even know what it really means to you and then like later you kind of realize oh man that's exactly what i was thinking or whatever Mm. you know what i mean you kind of interpret your own ambiguousness which i think is cool you should leave as an artist you should leave such relatable content open for the other person to relate you know that's how that's how music i think impacts or that's how lyrics can impact is like people kind of feel like you're going through the same thing they're going through you know so
0: yeah, yeah definitely yeah. happiness had a had a few Few good songs for like my college uh, breakups. Yeah, bro. Oh my
1: god. Like <laughs> Kirk gets yeah. me. Kirk gets me. <laughs> sure. It's a timestamp oh, sure. too. You 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 remember what you listen to when you're going through that hard time. That's mm-hmm. why things become nostalgic, I think, for a lot of people. So
0: Alright. So we'll we'll wrap it up, but I feel like we need to see if Matt has anything to say. Uh, yeah, well, oh, we you yeah, allow
3: him one question the whole time. I got, well, I got another. I've got another, uh, another question, uh, and this is kind of my like my staple question, uh, which is, uh, who's your uh, like guilty artist or guilty pleasure artist or band that you like to listen to, or basically, what's something that people would be surprised to find out you listen to?
1: Huh? Oh, shit. Takashi six nine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I. I uh, I like Takashi Six Nine. I like A Boogie with the Hoodie. Like I, I like A Boogie better <laughs> than Takashi, but I don't know. I I dig his whole story. And uh I was on tour with Thomas for that Scary Kids tour and we were oh. like we were just we were just like we were just doing like you know, just talking back and forth about the similarities between like, I don't know, Tupac and Suge Knight and like Takashi and like the uh the nine tray bloods and shit like that um <laughs> that but, <went> real deep <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of a guilty pleasure I, I i don't really listen to it very much anymore i really like a boogie with the hoodie though a boogie is legit i i probably listen to a boogie oh man at least once a day
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: he's coming playing song. on us guys you heard it here first <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, right, I right. I really like
3: the the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys are
1: cool. Oh, Beach Boys are very cool. Yeah,
3: Beach Boys are awesome.
1: Yeah. Brian Wilson, he's uh he's got a special place in my heart for sure. Elliot yeah, Smith. I-, I love Elliot Smith. That that 90s like kind of Beatles sound, John Lennon sound, but uh yeah, I think my guilty pleasure would be would be Takashi. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry.
0: <laughs> All right guys, you ready to, ready to wrap it up? Do <laughs> a little sign up? Yeah. Alright, so Word. actually Kurt, this is uh this is other Kurt. <laughs>
2: hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's cute. <laughs> Alright, he he uh he's very hoppity. Alright. So um that concludes episode. Damn it, I do this every time. Five? Six. Six, six. 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 That concludes episode six for Matt. <laughs> hey, for Rob. Hello. Um, and our amazing special <laughs> guest who we literally ruined this whole Friday night.
4: <laughs> we squeezed them dry of
1: Sorry.
2: everything. You could ever Sorry.
1: Have. Sorry, Kurt. <laughs> All right. I, I, I shouldn't have taken that bong rip at the beginning. Huh?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I apologize.
1: I, I had a couple brain farts, I, I, yeah, so. <laughs> well,
2: Hopefully I, didn't, edit those I didn't take
0: a bong rip, and I, <laughs> I still forgot <laughs> what we are talking about. Good, 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 all right,
2: good. All right. good. All right,
0: thanks, guys. Oh, hey, Kurt, do you want to plug anything? Do you have any merch to sell? Or um, yeah. h- how are we going to
1: make you some money during these times of COVID? <laughs> All my shit is sold out right now. Um I'm trying to I'm trying oh. to put some stuff up soon. I bought some masks like Oh cool. I'm I think I'm going to silk screen something on the mask. So. Can, it
0: your, can it be your face, so I could have your face on my face?
1: <laughs> Put on the it'll, just, it'll just be my nose and my mouth, like, <laughs> but, every, but everything else will be you. So. <laughs> or, or, do you want a little face of me <laughs> of, on your mouth?
2: Yeah, just oh, like, right. like, from the nose up, <laughs> just like, two faces. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, all right thanks no, so I'll, much kurt i'll have
1: some merch soon and, and uh you can go to srecords.com to buy any merch or um go to royalcoda.com and and get that shit too so all right we look forward to the new stuff
0: and uh Word. whenever you're in in philly if you ever need anything just be like hey i was on your podcast go go <laughs> <back> <laughs> here yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. I really appreciate it, guys. All right. Have a good night, Kurt. Hope to see you soon. Right. Yeah, on the road. Yeah, right. Whenever right.
4: that is. Yeah.
0: Hope to see you guys very soon. For sure.
3: All right. Yeah. Bye. Take Bye. Take care, Kurt. Peace. I just it's also like I like I forget that we're the podcast I'm not listening to a podcast. Yeah. It's like, wow, this is really fascinating. This is really cool. Oh shit, this is, I should be asking questions. Um